Hi, my name's Samuel Finlay, and you're listening to the ACES Podcast. I'm a communications and media officer at the ARC Center of Excellence for Electromaterial Science and your host. In this podcast, you'll hear from researchers who are making a difference through their work. From those in academia to those in industry, we'll hear how they got to where they are today and we'll walk with them as they reflect on their respective journeys. We'll also find out what helps them approach and tackle their work each day and how they enjoy their downtime too. In today's episode, I chat with Dr. Leo Stevens. Leo is the founder of Eon Labs and the co-founder of Upward Manufacturing. He is a scientist and entrepreneur who was born and raised on the coast of Australia in Wollongong. He completed both his undergraduate degree and PhD at UOW. In his spare time, he likes to jump in the ocean, walk his dog and be out in nature. What's more, he even has his very own podcast called Lab Notes. So, without further ado, let's get to the podcast and my chat with Leo. So I'm here today talking to Dr. Leo Stevens. Thanks for jumping on the podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So let's start with your PhD experience, um, which you did at the University of Wollongong. How was that and what did you do? Yeah, so I would have started around 2012 and took around five years to complete, ending in 2017. Um, was doing my PhD out of the innovation campus, but I was pretty familiar with the University of Wollongong. I'd done my undergraduate there as well. So I started off with a Bachelor of Science with a chemistry major and then kind of transitioned slowly more into the, the bioscience space through the PhD where we were studying nerve regeneration. I was part of Gordon Wallace's Australian Laureate Fellowship team um, and working on biomaterials like hydrogels and electrically stimulating neural cells with graphenes and conductive polymers. Great. And you mentioned Gordon Wallace there. Who were your other supervisors? Yep. So I had three supervisors. Uh, Gordon was the the primary supervisor and then Kerry Gilmore, who provided a lot of the the biology and cell stimulation uh, support. And then Mark Inhet-Penhus, who had actually been my honours supervisor. He was more in the material science space and I still deal with him quite frequently. Great, and all of which are still at um, the University of Wollongong, who I see um, in passing in the in the corridors quite often. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think you know they've all established themselves with pretty comfortable careers there, and I don't foresee any of them moving now. No, definitely not. So, are you from Wollongong originally as well? Yeah, pretty close. I grew up in Stanwell Park, which is about half an hour to the north. Uh, beautiful spot, right on the beach. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the ocean and on South Coast camping trips as a kid. Um, so yeah, I'm from the Illawarra for sure, but have done a lot of travel. My my partner's actually, or my wife, I should say, is American, so we've been there quite a number of times, and also had the privilege of going to Europe and a few places through Southeast Asia. So very much like seeing the world, despite having lived in this region my whole life. So I believe you're also uh, involved in um, surf life saving. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm actually the president of my local surf life saving club now. I've, I've been a member of that club for probably 20 years or so, starting from nippers oh, and slowly work my way up the ranks through being a patrolling member, a patrol captain. I'm now part of the emergency call-out team, so part of the uh, jet ski rescue squads and that kind of stuff. There's a, an after-hours emergency, we get called out to that. But a lot of my time there is actually spent on the bureaucratic side through the presidency, um, dealing with Sifflop Saving Illawarra, Sifflop Saving New South Wales, and just the membership of our club in general. Great, so you still jump in the ocean quite often? 
Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, every time I'm down there, I try to, to get in the ocean and um, we'll go many times that I'm not on patrol as well. We w- walk our dog on the beach and I'll always go for a swim and a surf when I can during that. Great. So just just going back to your um, studies, how did you find the transition from your undergrad to uh, a PhD? Um, I, I guess in some ways it was quite smooth because I had done my undergrad at the University of Wollongong. I knew quite a lot of the, the people. My honours supervisor, Mark, became one of my PhD supervisors and I had worked uh, not with Gordon directly, but certainly in and around the group in various formats. I had done a summer scholarship at IPRI probably in 2010 or 11 under Simon Moulton. Um, so I was certainly familiar with the systems and the, the places in that respect. Um, it was a bit of a tumultuous time for me personally with that transition. So I had actually taken off 18 months between my undergrad and my PhD and I spent some time overseas. I actually met my current wife while working at a summer camp in the US um, and then was looking after some, some unwell family members around that time. Um, so I guess finding my feet again into the academic world uh, was impacted by that more than by the the standard transition to the university space. But yeah, was quite familiar with the people and the processes and the research system. So that wasn't a problem at all. Sure. And, and I also understand that you uh, did a grad cert in entrepreneurship and innovation. How did how'd you find that? Yeah, I mean, I guess one of the, the real nice things about having done my PhD within ACES was that it did open my eyes to the, the, both the challenges and opportunities of research commercialization. Um, the grad cert was a bit later on. I actually started off with something called the Transition Project under Chris Gilby, who was the entrepreneur in residence within ACES. So he took us out to interview CEOs and venture capitalists and entrepreneurs and kind of get a sense of that science translation ecosystem. And that really piqued my interest in that space. So I then signed myself up for the graduate certificate program with the Sydney Business School, um, where we did some kind of formal courses in education around science innovation, entrepreneurship. Um, and those things. And then I also was part of the Innovation Works prototyping competition that was run under the Global Challenges program where myself and another PhD student, Nick Roach, we built a, a drone prototype, which kind of ties into my surf life saving expertise because we were uh, making a drone prototype to deliver rescue equipment out into swimmers in distress. So that was kind of a nice way to tie in those two interests of science commercialization and surf life saving. You know, a lot of people seem to, you know, that have done a PhD similar to yourself, uh, stay on with the university working as, you know, um, research fellows and whatnot. But you sort of went outside that, went outside academia, more so into industry. Um, was How was that decision and was was that something you always wanted to do or just an opportunity presented itself that was too good to say no to? Um, I mean... If, if you had asked me when I was going into my PhD what my career would look like, I certainly would have felt like I would stay on the academic path. My mum my was an academic at Sydney University and my dad worked for the CSIRO, so the, kind of, the apple didn't fall too far from the tree. Yeah, definitely. Um, but in terms of you know, why I've chosen to spend a bit more time in industry and engage this direction, it's, it's partially just because of the, the, the funding constraints on um, early career research slots. I think there is far more PhD students coming into the system than there are um, grants available for the, the early career researchers. So there's a constraint there. And a lot of PhDs by necessity have to find alternative outlets to their to their graduation. So that to me, the writing was on the wall that it was going to be quite a challenging career path and a highly competitive career path to try to fight for these limited grant spots. So I was looking around for different ways to apply what really was my interest in the process of science and innovation. 
um, in, in a different way and finding funding from different sources. So to me, the, the science commercialization process is a, is a way to tap into that where you can find commercial revenue streams and, and investor funding as a way to support uh, the, the process of, of research and development. Um, but I, I also didn't come kind of into my PhD and certainly not out of it with a, a huge understanding of, of the business world. And that is a big complaint for a lot of people who are talking about the, the challenge of transitioning from academic into to business is that there's not a lot of training in those areas Definitely. and there's not a lot of crossover between um, an academic training and the business world. So I knew I had to get my hands dirty and kind of um, learn business on the ground. And that's really what I tried to do after my PhD. I was looking around at my friends and family and networks for, for somebody that I might be able to kind of learn under their wing. And I did find a, a family friend in a very unrelated field. He was a hydrologist and a civil engineer. Um, and so I went on to one of his projects. It was a residential land project and kind of took on the some of the roles of a business person, you know, in banking and accounting, shareholder engagement and ATSIC reporting, all of these aspects of the business that weren't directly focused on the challenge of civil engineering, but the transferable skills throughout business in general. So to me, that was a stepping stone and a really kind of safe learning experience where I could then develop my my real world business skills with the the idea of transitioning back into this science commercialization ecosystem. Yeah, sounds like it. So fast forward to today, uh, you're the founder of Eon Labs. What what do you sort of do on a day to day and what sort of uh, things are you guys doing over at Eon Labs? Yeah, so I guess there's two projects running concurrently, Eon Labs and Upward Manufacturing. Um, so Eon Labs is is in a stage where we're building our brand and our, our network. So we're actually running our own podcast series, Lab Notes, where we're going out and interviewing scientists and entrepreneurs making this journey. Uh, we've just partnered with Sydney Angels and we're doing some due diligence on some early stage technology startups around the sustainability space in that. So um to take a step back, Eon Labs is all around this kind of science commercialization process. Its, it's long-term goal is to, to fund a physics and, and operate a physical lab space that does science commercialization in the model of like an MIT Media Labs, or if you want to go to more of the commercial end, something like a Xerox Park, Bell Labs. These are kind of the, the highly cited and highly successful examples of these commercial R&D facilities. Um, but to, to get there, we obviously have to build our brand, our reputation, and start supporting pilot projects and that kind of stuff. So we're, we're funding a few uh, early-stage innovators uh, in basically an angel investment capacity um, and then building out our networks through the podcast series and also an online magazine called Eon Journal. Um, eventually, we hope to partner with some tertiary institutions and, and establish a, a physical lab space to do this kind of fundamental science through to commercialization and and business development. Right, so is Eon Labs and Upward Manufacturing, are they two different entities or are they sort of under the same umbrella? They are two different entities. So uh, Upward Manufacturing was something I founded with several other people that came out of, uh, not necessarily IPRI and ACES, but um, the innovation campus more broadly. So it included uh, a guy from ISEM, a kind of partner institute within the AIM building. There's a lot of acronyms around <laughs> yeah. that, that, that facility. Um, but yeah, so Upward Manufacturing began as a 3D printing education space um, and, and a retail store. So we, we set up um, in Coromel, which is just down the road from Wollongong, uh, and we're, we're kind of welcoming the public to teach them about 3D printing and to, to do custom right. 3D printing for people. Um, as time went on, it became clear that there were kind of two 
avenues where that worked from a business perspective. Uh, one was in the education side around schools, so both students in school holidays and then teachers through professional development workshops. So we, we did both of those kind of training aspects. And the second is, is, is prototype design, but generally for, for higher value clients, which is to say businesses prototyping new products. Um, just the, the time and effort that goes into creating a, a new custom item um, it, it, it was rarely worth it from a retail trade perspective. So that business is, has definitely pivoted towards uh, servicing those business clients. Right now, it's, it's involved in the, the COVID response. Like, like many other making facilities, we're working on visors and PPE and, and these kind of things that are in desperate need for, for the medical staff that are confronting this virus. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about that. How is, how is that going? Yeah, great. Look, I'm staring at a, a prototype visor right now that we're pretty comfortable with having in the hands of, of GPs and doctors around. Um, so it's a, it's been an exciting time, a very uh, quick time. It's been yeah, you know, a few weeks since this whole thing has blown up and everyone's been scrambling to get these these products and concepts out there and to continue refining. Um, but it's look, it's great to be able to make a positive contribution. I think a lot of people are feeling a bit helpless with, with the situation. You know, we're all being told to shelter at home. And a lot of the times that means you don't have, you know, any way you can make a, a difference. So I'm very glad to just happen to have this mini 3D printing lab downstairs um, and, and be able to do some, hopefully, uh, productive things that'll, that'll help our frontline health workers. Yeah, sure. And do you stay in touch with um, people from IPRI and maybe some of the people working over at Tricep doing 3D printing over there? Yeah, to some extent, we're definitely in touch. Uh, I mentioned briefly one of my PhD supervisors, Mark Inhepanus, is actually continuing to be a really close mentor and friend of mine. So I've been working with him kind of every week or two. We have a meeting and, and talk about his projects and he talks about my projects. He's on the board of Eon Labs. Um, so he's helped oh, create that structure and that system and it is, is a constant source of advice and encouragement. And, and likewise, I've been trying to advise him on science specialization projects that he's got on the boil. So um, a very beneficial and mutual relationship that's kind of continued the whole way through my, my uh, degree, actually, because I, I started with Mark in second year on a, on a research project around carbon nanotube bucky papers and have kind of, we've been working together, I guess, for the best part of a decade now. Wow. Great. So Eon Labs, you said, uh, you know, was sort of founded in 2018, um, you know, a few years on now, and you, you did mention sort of some future plans, but where would you like to see Eon Labs in, you know, say five years time? What's the sort of long-term uh, outlook? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess we're taking on those pilot projects now. And, and, and the point of that is to build a a base and an example to show that we are able to support science commercialization as a process and then take that to, to, to governments, to grant agencies, to tertiary institutions and say, hey, look, we've, you know, we've got this track record now. Let's let's set up a facility that actually does this science translation. I would love to have a space within a tertiary institution where we've got a lab. We take on researchers, PhD students, masters, undergrads, um, but all of us are working towards commercial outcomes and towards um, translatable research as much as we are towards publications and the kind of traditional grant scheme. So that's really the, the hope and the dream is to have a, a, a physical lab space that's developing real world products. Great. And, you know, you mentioned the podcast earlier. I know Gordon's been on there. Um, who are some other guests you've had on? 
Yeah, so I guess the ACES crew might be familiar with Chris Gilby, who's now running Imagine Intelligent Materials in Graphene. Yes. Um, the other episodes we've had, the most recent one we just released, is with Michael Sharp, who's the National Director of the Advanced Manufacturing Growth Center. Um, we've had uh, science communicators on there. I've just finished recording an interview with Alan Jones, um, who is a tech investor and angel in Sydney. Um, we've got hopefully a few guests coming up to talk about COVID and vaccine development and that kind of stuff right. in the coming weeks. Um, so it, it's tapping into a lot of different people basically across this ecosystem of research commercialization. So everyone from fundamental researchers and entrepreneurs through to venture capitalists, angel investors, university um, admin people, anyone that someone is likely to meet as they go from having a, a kind of research idea through to having a, a developed company. It's kind of trying to explore that space and provide some role models and advice for, for anyone who's trying to follow that journey. Great stuff. I, yeah, I listened to the um, uh, episode with uh, Gordon Wallace. It was great. So um, yeah, keep up the good work on that. Where can uh, people find the podcast? Are you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, that type of thing? Yeah, we're, we're basically on all the platforms now. If, if you go on social media and search for Eon Labs, you'll find us and links to it. Otherwise, we're, we're hosted on Podbean. So you go to Podbean and search for Lab Notes, which is the name of the podcast. Um, or you can find you know, me on Facebook or LinkedIn, uh, at Leo Stevens, and then there'll be links there as well. So um, basically all roads lead to Rome. If you, if you know how to use Google, I'm sure you'll find us. <laughs> Definitely. So uh, earlier on, we were just talking about outside of uh, work. Is there anything else other than you know, your lifeguard? Is there anything else um, you like to do, spend your time, um, sort of take your, your mind off work and in your downtime? Um, yeah, look, uh, I mean, we've, we've got a dog. I love walking him, uh, and spending time on the beach. I guess I'm, I'm one of those people that does take on projects to fill most of the spare time I have. So I, I get genuine enjoyment out of the work that I'm doing and the interesting projects we're taking on. So it doesn't necessarily feel like I need a break a lot of the time. Um, I guess one thing that we do do uh, is, is travel and I, I really do enjoy the time that we get to spend a week or two um, traveling. We actually, my wife and I did a, a road trip across the US about 18 months ago where we uh, landed in San Francisco and drove to North Carolina. So that was an, an incredible experience of seeing kind of the breadth of that continent. And I'd be very keen to do something like that again when schedules allow. Great. And something I've asked every guest I've had on the podcast, and I'm interested to hear what you would say on this is, do you have uh, maybe a morning routine or something you do to approach um, your day of work that, that helps you um, be productive? Um, yeah, well, I guess mostly my day would start with a, a walk of the dog. Um, and that, I guess, is a nice way to clear the head. I'll often actually have a podcast in as I'm doing that. So I'll download something during the morning and, and whack that in my earbuds as I'm walking the dog, sit down with a nice coffee and then go through my emails and my schedule, my calendar, make sure that I'm aware of what's happening that day and then basically plug into work from there. Um, so I guess just having that, uh, that, that time to clear your head and then looking at what's coming up and getting stuck in. Great. And what are some podcasts you're currently listening to? Um, so Planet Money by NPR is a, is a nice one. Um, Right now, there's the, the, the COVID cast by Dr. Norman Swan, which has been very good at kind of providing the, the right information among all the misinformation that's out there. Um, yeah, I think 
NPR actually does a, a great job of releasing a whole heap of different podcasts. There's Shortwave as well, which is a science-based podcast that they do. Um, and then there was another one which kind of put me onto Alan Jones as a guest is the Failure Proof podcast. Um, that's a, a guy who's been interviewing various entrepreneurs around Sydney and is particularly interested in the kind of mental health of founders and of the, the startup journey's impact on on founders. So that, that's a really interesting take on this whole uh, ecosystem as well. So yeah, I'd recommend those three. Great, I'll have to check them out. Now, um, just to finish up, is there any advice you'd give to someone you know that is sort of thinking about who's you know maybe nearing the end of their phd and is sort of thinking about going into industry or thinking about you know um startup life um be the dumbest person in the room is 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 a great piece of advice you know find others who have gone through that journey who are currently in that journey and tag along with them you'll you'll learn so much from those mentoring roles that you just it, it's it's so much faster than trying to learn the hard way um so that that's a, a really key piece of advice is is absolutely look for those mentor roles um and and learn learn from others and learn on the job i think if somebody wanted to be an entrepreneur i think one of the best things they could do out of uni is join someone else's startup for, for five years you know you can tag along with their journey you can still get a salary you can see and feel and understand what a what a startup is like um, and, and then know whether it's right for you without having to have, jump into it immediately. So joining joining a, a startup and finding mentors is, is, I think, a really valuable approach. Some great advice there. All right, well, thanks so much for joining the podcast. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And um, yeah, all the best with Eon Labs and uh, future plans. Thanks, Sam. Nice to chat. Thanks for listening to the ACES podcast and my chat with Dr. Leo Stevens. To listen to more episodes like this one, be sure to subscribe wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. You can also find more information about ACES on our website, electromaterials.edu.au. On our website, you'll find links to the various social media platforms we're on. And you can also follow me on Twitter, at Samuel Finlay. Until next time, thanks for listening.